0: Welcome to This is the Author, where authors talk about narrating their audiobooks.
1: In this episode, meet author Padma Venkatraman, artist Peter McGough, and conductor John Maucherry. A novel in verse about the power of dance. A memoir about life as an artist in 1980s New York City. An answer to the question why should we listen to classical music? The authors in this week's episode engage listeners in the many ways in which art affects our lives and the lives of those we encounter. Hear more about their behind-the-mic experiences. Plus, find out which author once listened to a famous epic fantasy series on audio as motivation to clean the house. Enjoy. Padma Venkatraman. I was inspired to write this book, A Time to Dance, by many things. One was, of course, my love of Carnatic music and dance. The second was knowing people with disabilities who continued to dance, as I mentioned in the author's note. And the third was actually that I was bitten by a snake, by a viper, when I was about 19 and I almost lost my life. But although it was a very painful experience and I nearly had my own leg amputated, I ended up living and I ended up having both of my legs. And that experience came very close to me, both in terms of the pain and what Veda experiences in the novel, but also in terms of my own sense of spirituality crystallizing, which is also a very important part of A Time to Dance. Bharatanatyam is a very ancient art, and although as Pati speaks of in the novel, it degraded at one point, it was originally meant to be a form of union with God, and so originally it was meant to be sort of a devotional dance through which you attained the other. I was inspired to write this book as poetry, as a novel in verse, because sometimes what we don't say is as important as what we do say. And spirituality is something that I think, if you say too much, it becomes dogma. And it stops being what I wanted to be in A Time to Dance, which was just one person's spiritual awakening. It's just Veda's own experience And I do see religion as merely a lens through which each of us glimpses something that is indescribable. And to me, leaving spaces between the words helps to get a sense of the fact that religion is just one lens. It's just one way that we all try to get at something else that is deeper, that is higher than us, that is universal. And I think always of my writing as a collaboration between me and the reader. And I give the reader words, but each reader has their own movie going on in their own minds. And that to me is freedom. That to me is independence. That to me is each person's uniqueness. And I think it's in those spaces between the words that I touch the reader in a spiritual sense. The one word I would use to describe the experience of recording is exhilarating and exhausting. And I know that's two words, and I cheated a little. And I also already knew what to expect, I think, because I had recorded one book already. There is a word that I found hard to pronounce, but I am not going to tell you about it. My dream narrators for the books, if I weren't to do them myself, would be probably Deepti Gupta and Sandhya Nankani. Both of them are actually people that have done other audiobooks that I've really enjoyed. I think what I'm specifically most excited for my readers to hear is the poetry and the rhythm of the words, and I had such wonderful help from my director, Simone Barros, I think together we've worked to help get the feeling of verse, get the feeling of the rhythm of the poetry and of the sounds of Bharatanatyam that are sort of in the book. And I think actually one of the other reasons that I wrote it in verse is because verse marries so well with those rhythms of dance and verse is sort of music, which is what we dance to.
2: This is Peter McGough. I wrote my book because I guess I thought I had a really interesting story to tell. Also, being gay, I wanted to reach out to a younger gay audience. I wanted them to see what I went through when I was young and McDermott was young. You know, AIDS. I mean, it was just a hideous, scary, scary time to be young in New York City. I had a friend who said, I loved your book. It's very homosexual. My attitude was, of course it is. I'm homosexual. I wrote it. So I guess the thing about that kind of a book, like I wouldn't call it a gay book. It was about a gay person. It was something I needed to write. And I have to say, it was really like pulling out long pins of despair out of me. It was really a cleansing. I'd have to say it was something that I took out of me—an anxiety that departed me—that came from finishing the book. I was inspired by great literature, and I'm not comparing myself to people like Colette or Booth Tarkington or you know, you know Tennessee Williams or Truman Capote. But I'm inspired by good writing, a good story. There's many a great story, but it's how one tells it. And I think that's what I like about humor and jokes. You can tell a joke, but it's how the person tells it that makes it funny. Or a story that how the person writes it that makes it intriguing or brings up feelings in a person. It was difficult at first to do the audiobook. I had never done one. I've been recorded. I've talked a lot. I've done talks in front of 300 people about my art and McDermott's art. But doing an audiobook, I had to get the words right. I had to... See how I wrote my sentences. And, you know, writing a sentence, I thought I was very clever with placing these certain words next to each other or at the end of a sentence. But then reading it, I thought, oh, I'll never write again. Or if I do, I'm going to write it, see Dick run, see Jane run, run Jane run. You know, it just was a lot of stumbling because I wasn't used to reading a script. There were so many words I had tongue twisters with. Oh, my S's. I had many problems with my S's. You know, for a few seconds, I saw how I had to keep my mouth not dry, not moist, but in between. I think um, a dream narrator would be Truman Capote. I loved his high, squeaky, childlike voice. Or I think someone like Brenda Vaccaro with her smoky voice. Or, you know, somebody's voice that you wouldn't normally hear in a book or wouldn't consider, you know, an actor where they get everything perfect and they do the narration and the characters. I guess I'm interested in a funny voice or a voice that has great depth to it. You know, you can tell by listening to people. It's wonderful to hear someone who knows how to tell a great story. And that's what I'm interested in, is a great story. Even if it's made up or embroidered or this or that, it doesn't matter because everything is a story. It's his story, history. It's a story.
0: Hi, this is John Mount Quite simply, this was a book I never expected to write. I was asked to write it by Jonathan Siegel at Knopf. In a way, he was the one who asked me to write my first book, Maestros and Their Music. It hadn't really occurred to me to write about classical music, but I started to think about it, and I started to think about when it first came into my life and what it means to me and what it means to people around me. I started listening to it on television, listening to commercials that were making use of the Hallelujah Chorus or also Sprach Zarathustra. And I was interested that it still had this amazing power, even for people who might not have been aware that it was classical music to begin with. And I started to think about how different life is right now because I came upon classical music inadvertently because it was being used in national television. Back when I was a kid, there were three stations, ABC, NBC, and CBS. Now people choose from hundreds, if not thousands, of specific television stations to listen to and watch what they already want to see or hear, and therefore they don't inadvertently come upon it. But do they still inadvertently come upon it? And I wanted to encourage people who were not sure about it as well as people who already are going to concerts and love music, to feel embraced by it, that it's okay not to like something. It's not your fault that you don't like it. It is, in fact, important for people to understand that most people who love classical music don't love it all, and therefore they really don't like certain kinds of music, so you're in good company, as I say in the book, with people who love classical music when you don't love something. I wanted to kind of also open people up to the idea of what happens when you go hear something for the first time. Music is complicated in the sense that it is invisible, so you can't really talk about it while you're hearing it, and you don't have easy guides to it. And yet, I think people are so completely sensitive to it that they're hearing it all the time, and people really do understand it, even if they don't know the jargon. And I wanted to also... Tell people that once it enters your life and you enter it, it is your partner. And it tells you who you are at every moment in your life. Reading your own words is, of course, easier than reading somebody else's words. Your voice is already embedded in the sentences. What makes it hard is because those sentences have also been edited over many months And so sometimes you want to skip over something or change an a to a the. And that has to be carefully observed every time you read. And because the sound in a recording booth is so sensitive that... Any little sound you make by moving or turning or, or breathing in a certain way will have to be excised, so you have to be very, very careful. I think people don't understand that our job is for you, when you listen to the book, to forget that it's anything but John Maucherry's voice speaking directly to you. You don't want to know where I am. I am with you. Therefore, we're in a small room that has very little air in it, and then at a certain point, you start slurring your speech, and they open the door and let some oxygen in, which is a very good thing I have to say. The fact is that there are a number of names of people, and they have to be carefully looked at. Sometimes, because I speak multiple languages, I have to say words in a way that I don't say them. I don't say doppelganger. I say doppelganger. But it's a very small point. I think I had a hard time with Finnish. You know, I think that Anna daughter uh, Thor, it was something that I practiced a lot and I'm still not particularly good at. But we tried, and hopefully by the fourth or fifth time I talk about her, <laughs> I get the name right. I'm happy to have written the book. I think it's good to inflect my own personal inflection into the sentences so you can actually hear my voice and where the accents were within the sentences. So that's good. I'm also, of course, equally happy for people to apply their own way of translating my words. I love being read to, and I love reading too. As a little kid, my mother and my father both read to me, and I have very fond memories of The Wizard of Oz and other books that they read to me. And I know that the fundamental way stories were always told. The way was not reading, it was hearing. And I have such happy memories of reading to my wife and she reading to me when we were first married. We spent a lot of time reading James Thurber and laughing. This was a very beautiful way to start a marriage. My wife does more listening to audiobooks than I do. It's a time thing more than anything else. But I can say certain books, The Lord of the Rings, for example, that whole series I heard on audiobooks. I used to, when I was in Pittsburgh as music director of the opera, I would listen to it on CDs that were strapped to me as I was vacuuming or cleaning the house. And so that entire series of books I heard as if some person were reciting this ancient story to me the way people would have done thousands of years ago around the fire and it was definitely a great experience i can only hope that for the love of music brings that kind of happiness to people could i choose another narrator to read this book of course leonard bernstein would be the ideal person to express a lot of this because he was more than anyone a mentor to me, in how I think about music. He really opened the door to why I'm a musician and why it matters. It's not surprising that he's a strong force throughout the book, especially since I was writing this on the 100th anniversary of his birth. This is the Author is a production of Penguin Random House Audio. Thank you for listening.
1: For more Behind the Mic content and audiobook recommendations, visit www.penguinrandomhouseaudio.com slash next listen.